Welcome back to Pixel Perfect Podcast, everybody. Um, I said it for real this time, and I'm not going to argue that I said something I didn't say <laughs> later on. Um, I'm Paige. I am Erin. Um, and we are very excited to kick off January with some zombie-themed content. Um, yeah. So yeah. Zombies all January long, just for you. You know, just because January is no a zombie month anyways. Like, everyone's so tired from everything that happened in 2020. No one wants to think or have feelings. We're just, we're just shuffling our way through <laughs> the start of the year. That seems like a good justification for us doing a zombie theme, even I though we so. didn't have a justification before. I'm just though, making sure. to be fair, up. I feel like if you don't want to have feelings, probably reading World War Z, which is what we're talking about today, is not your best bet. Oh, yeah. And especially, like, if you're trying to, like, live in a little hidey hole and not think about COVID-19 or how it's impacting the world, do not read this do book. Do not read this book. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> so, uh, World War Z is by Max Brooks, and it is basically, like, a fictional case study of what would happen if zombies actually did take over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, if the dead actually started rising, how would humans react? How would the world react? How would the world interact? Yep. Like, it's, it's basically one whole fictional... It, it, it's um, written... It, it, it's based on the premise... The premise is basically this guy did a report for the UN, so he went on interviewing everybody. And then they cut a bunch of his interviews, so he was like, fuck you, I'm going to publish a book. <laughs> so he published a book basically full of all the interviews that he did about the the plague as they call it right and it's about was it 10 years since like the war ended as they call it like when they like started taking the world back i'm pretty sure it's been 10 years um yeah it's been barely a decade since the last world power celebrated its deliverance on victory in china day yeah so that's that's world war z yep it's it's an older book. Now I have to... It's I 2006, I think, or 2007. 2006. Yeah. yeah. Newer than I expected it to be, though. I don't know why. I thought this was going to be like a, a 90s book. It reads like a 90s book, I it feel kinda like. It kind of does. And like yeah. you said, it was definitely... I don't want to say dense. Maybe like robust. Because it's like... It's only 350 pages, but like I, I didn't actually finish it. I just... I read a lot from like each section to make sure I got like the overall theme of what yeah. was going on in, in each. That was going to be my first question for you is did you actually finish it? I didn't it? finish it. I, de- I definitely like I read like several of each person's interviews in each chapter so I could like okay. see how everything was progressing. Was I did finish it. Well you've read it before haven't you? Yes but I did finish it for this. So well, I've done both things. You're better than me then. <laughs> So I am ultra prepared, which it always works out that way. One of us is like super prepared and the other one is only kind of prepared. And then the other one just takes the, takes the baggage. Just figure it out. You know, you know, it's, it's just, it works out. This is why we're a partnership. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I was going to, my first question outright is because I saw it was listed as like one of the best horror books and I'm like, I get that there's like a lot of emotional impact in it. I didn't really find it scary though. I don't think it's, I don't think they mean horror in scary sense. Okay. I think they mean horror isn't, I mean, it's zombies. It is a plague overtaking the world. I think it still falls in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have horror without having like cabin in the woods is horror, but 
also oh yeah not scary that's true so i feel like i feel like unlike um say happy death day which is distinctly horror comedy Mm -hmm. i feel like this distinctly falls within horror okay i think that makes sense and i was i was wondering because we were texting and i said i'm really excited for this episode and you said, I definitely have thoughts, which is usually code for us, for <laughs> I didn't like it. I felt really bad, too. And I said that not because I didn't like it, but because I had so many thoughts about how applicable it is to what's going on today. And I didn't. Okay. I knew if I jumped into any of that whatsoever while we were texting, it would open up a can of worms. So I was like, I can't, okay. I can't touch on okay. anything. <laughs> okay. So did you, I mean, it's. It's weird for me because it, it's a, one of the more intellectual fictional books, I feel like. Absolutely, yeah. So I feel like enjoying it is a weird, yeah. like, it is a weird word to use, especially during COVID times, to be like, did you enjoy this book? But it's it's just, I guess, did you, was it worthwhile read for you? I guess might be a better question. I think so, yeah. I wouldn't say I would like was in love with it or like super enjoying it but I found it really interesting his writing is beautiful like he did a really good job he's a very good writer also fun fact he's the son of Mel Brooks oh that Isn't was that crazy not, yeah. <laughs> would not have seen that coming yeah right I was like that is insane but yeah so it was like <laughs> it was a quality book that I feel like is worth reading I'm almost kind of surprised it's not like a school type literature like I feel like it seems like the kind of book I would read in school. It feels very intellectual as you're going through it. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it feels, I think it's one of the most clever books ever written. Yeah. I, I think it's just, I think it's just clever. Yeah, I can agree with that. It pulls off a lot of things. Like it takes a very unique framing device to tell its story. And then, but like very succinctly gives you a bunch of perspectives on like people who were in the military, people who were like in like shady versions of military in other countries or people who are medical professionals or the people who are just like just living their own lives side note the part with the kid who called himself an otaku really threw me for a loop because otaku in like today is so different from what he was calling it in 2006 i don't know the word in the book he calls it like an outsider but yeah a lot of yeah i know that yeah a lot of the times people call They'll say like they'll call themselves otaku's. Particularly, I feel like white people do this a lot because they're just like super into Japanese culture. Oh, okay, yeah. that is okay. So I, right. just, I just kept laughing when I was reading that part. <laughs> um, I think that the thing it does really, really well is creating scenarios that you would never think of but make total sense. Mm-hmm. Like I think like one of the one more interesting ones to me is the one where the rich people hole up in like a fortified defensive house and then like stream it to the rest of the world and then everybody storms it and is like we're taking this now (laughs) like it's like i wouldn't think of it but i'm like yeah that would happen oh absolutely that would for sure happen i think i feel like that that happens to you a lot as you read this book yeah, I feel like especially in terms of, like, America's response to everything, like, we're going to, like, the Yonkers failed battle, and we're like, we're just going to aggressively show up with military power because that's what fucking Americans do. <laughs> yeah, and it talks about, like, the one detail I really liked, I don't know if you would have missed this, but the idea that there was more um, crazy, like, last man on Earth people who would, like, hold up and, like, 
like their own homes and like fortified everything and like basically created like their own safe zone by themselves and it america had more of those than any other country because of their individualism and ability to own guns yeah that makes so much sense (laughs) and i'm like america yep absolutely i what really shook me was like it's it's been discussed as being like a criticism of like what happened with the SARS outbreak in China in the early 2000s and like how they covered that up and like didn't want people to know about it and I'm like oh my god that happened again this past year (laughs) it's it's very interesting to read this with COVID in which is it's it's actually it's a rough read right now if you're struggling with COVID do not read this book yep um, because it, it is it's something that I, I'd forgotten to kind of factor in. Oh, also, there is so much suicide in this book. Oh, a lot. If you struggle with suicide, do not read this book. There is, like, I mean, like, it makes sense within the context of what he's writing. Like, every, all the situation he write where people commit suicide, I'm like, yeah, that seems realistic. Yep. But, like, er, if you have issues with suicide, like, do not read this book. Yeah, it's definitely a very present theme. Um, but yeah, like the whole reaction of like America is so individualistic and like, (laughs) um, doesn't handle it well and like hides things from the American people. So they don't, they're not totally informed and there's a bunch of lies out there and you're kind of just sitting there like, oh my God, it's COVID. You're like, this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) So the, I feel like reading it with COVID in mind, it becomes even more brilliant if depressing. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's very eye-opening. Like I feel like if I don't know, somehow you're still not taking everything in this pandemic seriously, like you should pick it up and have a little bit of a wake-up call. There was this line that I picked out like towards the end that like really threw me for a loop and it was one of the interviews um a girl was talking about a man she spoke to who said Americans are the only people he's ever met who just can't accept that bad things can happen to good people. And I was like that so accurately sums up how I feel people are acting about COVID. They just, the people who are like, I'm not going to act afraid of this. And it's like, I think you're just so afraid to even accept something terrible could happen to you that you can't, you have to deny that it's even happening. Legitimately shocked when something does happen. Yeah. They're like, how did I get COVID? I was only going to restaurants and and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it's it's a little... I feel like this book includes a lot of different viewpoints from a lot of different countries, right? So you have, like, South Africa, and you have Chile, and you have Cuba, and you have, like, Greenland, and you have, like, all of these different places that are involved. But at the same time, I feel like it's very an American-centric book. It is, for sure. And Americans are definitely the heroes after they stop being so terrible. Yeah. Um, Because they're the ones who are like, we gotta fight back the zombie horde, like, reclaim our human spirit, we have to like fight back and that's and the american president is like one of the greatest people to ever exist yep (laughs) so it's definitely an america-centric book but it does do better than i think most american media of trying to incorporate different viewpoints and cultures and yeah experiences right like it definitely like they came out on top as like the heroes but like there wasn't a shortage of criticisms of how poorly america also handled it to begin with um i wish i had done a little more research on this but i'm curious to know if he like actually consulted with other cultures when writing like the interviews from those perspectives i mean i'm assuming he did 
Yeah, um, just yeah. because, or at least to the extent, I mean, it's hard, right? Because we're two white people from America. So yeah, it's like, exactly. So like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to speak to how well he wrote from those other perspectives because I don't know, like, I'm not part of those cultures. Like, uh, I, I'm sure he did like, like, I'm curious if he did research beyond like reading things and actually like spoke to people. I mean, he he goes he goes into mannerisms that I just I really really hope so, mm-hmm. because like the different ways people talk and the different ways that the different languages that they use and then the things that they're explaining, I'm hoping that he did his yeah his stuff. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, since it came out in 2006, you can like it was a time you could get away with not doing that a little easier. <laughs> All right, sorry, I'm, like, going through and seeing. Brooke conducted copious research writing World War Z are based on a variety of reference books in consultation with expert sources. Okay. So, let me see. I mean, simple cursory Google searches I did, I didn't, like, bring up any, like, major criticisms on it or anything. Like, he totally fucked up this perspective or anything like that. Yeah. So this comes from a um a interview with the Washington Post. Um he said everything in World War Z is based on reality except for the zombies. Mm-hmm. But seriously, everything in the book is either taken from reality or 100% real. The technology, politics, economics, culture, military tactics, it was a lot of homework. Wow. Damn. So um I should have stock options on Amazon for the amount of reference books I bought from them. <laughs> I'm also very lucky to have a variety of friends in fields that work in a field that are, were related to the book, medicine, engineering, politics, military, et cetera. Okay. Oh, that's very cool. So yeah, he did a lot of research and a lot of interviews. Excellent. Oh, that's good to know. I had to go to the actual source because I'm an academic and I can't just read Wikipedia and be like, yeah, it seems legit. Ooh, yeah, no. I mean, you can trust that to an extent, but <laughs> always verify your sources, people. Right. Yes. Cross-reference everything. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to end up white people in World War Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just, it's a really, I think, comprehensive mm-hmm. book more than anything else. There was a particular, particular stance he took, not necessarily a stance, that I found interesting. Um, and it was talking about coming out on the other side of things. And they were starting to, like, figure out how to, like, kill them and create the safe zones and whatnot. And the, the president had come up with like these kind of archaic ideas of punishments to change how they handled yeah. looters and things. It was like, there's no jail. And I was like, I feel like that's such an interesting take on that. And so assuming that like in such a huge global crisis like that, that we would still be so obsessed with punishing criminals instead of like rehabilitating society and like thinking, well, if they're looting, they need stuff. Like why why can't we take it more as like a better distribution of supplies and taking better care of our communities kind of thing? I think it was meant to be both. I think that's why it's like, cause I mean like, cause they talk about like for that, the practical implications of, of course you can't really punish people. Like mm-hmm. you can't put them in jail because who can, you can't, who can give resources to that. Right. Um. But I mean, because it's hard because the book doesn't actually go into these people who are just doing things for selfish reasons who are who are who people who are doing things for actually like 
You know what I mean? Right. Like we don't for, for reasons that make sense. Yeah, he doesn't examine it closely enough to really know if they're just like looting to be a dick or if they're like, I don't have food. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think that was the point of the section. I think the point of the section was to just because it's in the section that's talking about how practical of a man he is and how he really like that was kind of his focus was just it did not make sense to put people in jail. Mm-hmm. So you have to come up with some other way of deterring them. Right. And I do think his public humiliation thing is like spot on. Yeah, I feel like it's realistic. Like I could see it happening. It's just I think it's sad that like even in some in a perceived crisis like that, we would still be so obsessed with making sure like people who are bad are getting punished and there's law and order instead of just being like let's try to all rehabilitate together kind of thing. I mean, you could argue that that is them attempting to rehabilitate because if you're not I guess that's true. If it's, just, if it's just the extent of public humiliation. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it, it's it's more one and done, it seems like, than mm-hmm. ongoing. Yeah. It's not like you're continuously getting punished. It's like a one and done of like, okay, don't do that again. Yeah. Go back. That makes sense. So. But I also, I see your point. Yeah. So. I think it just... It's, there's, like, not enough meat there to, like, really figure out what his intention was. I just thought it was, like, something yeah. interesting to note. Yeah. Um. I can, like, see the wheels turning in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, like, explain that at, like, different places sometimes. Because, like, they don't... Because I, I was having a conversation with some people. That, like, you don't seem like you're... Uh, happy about what you're hearing in drivers? Like, nope, my wheels are just going. You're like, just it's processing. Just, <laughs> I'm processing. Um, but yeah, so it's it's they they do it is like meant to be like snapshots, so they don't go heavy duty into a lot of things. It's really meant to be like just a a global picture of what happens, and so I think that there's different moments in there all over the place that are. Mm-hmm don't have enough content to them to really fully examine but it's like because it's interested it's not interested in like the minute as much as it is interested in like the humanity and the global reaction right i think yeah i think i think that makes sense it, 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 it like you said it's, it's a global reaction so there's like only so much room to explore things before it gets too america centric i mean right there were a lot of passages from americans so but there were um one of my and i i think it's because he's he i think he's really criticizing america oh for sure like it's definitely like there's definitely some like pro-america stuff in there but at the same time i feel like he's really criticizing kind of governments and um isolationism and like all of that i think he's gone on record confirming that that he's like hell yeah i'm criticizing america in this book yeah (laughs) yeah which i mean absolutely makes sense yeah because like one of my favorite my favorite um sections and then also I feel like one of the most damning is like when the woman whose family um migrated to Canada to get in the cold basically for winter because that's the whole thing in the book is that everyone's trying to get to the cold so that the winter so that the dummies will freeze yep um and she's like and she's like kicking things like these are the things people want with them laptops um Sleeping bag that didn't work, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, 
Like, look at look at this mess of things that, like, people were not informed about. Like, she's, and I remember, because she talks about, like, yes, the Hello Kitty sleeping bag isn't going to do much, but, you know, um, like, camping stores were always the first ones that were empty. Yeah. But she also points out, that, like, people were getting in sleeping bags with their boats, boots on because they were cold, not realizing it was cutting off their circulation, or, like, drinking to get warm when really it wasn't going to work. And she's like the biggest problem was like this lack of education, this lack of hard facts, this lack of trying to educate people so they survive, which is right. a very American thing, I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I... Oh, was that an article that he was interviewed about? I read just read it earlier, but I can't quite remember. I think where he was talking with someone about like, even today we have like a crisis with the way um media can like disseminate news to all of its people like there's like this huge disconnect for some reason between us learning things that are factual i guess and like accepting that they're factual like for some reason there's just like this barrier that's like it can't get through and there was this mention of how it like even goes down all the way to the level of our education system and how like, we're not teaching them enough stuff science-wise or this and that. And then something like a freaking pandemic happens and we expect people to understand concepts that are, like, above their pay grade, essentially. But they didn't right. have, like, the background to to right. grasp what the facts were. Even things like, yes, the vaccine came around really quickly, but that's because it had so much funding. It had endless funding. Aggressive and like funding. <laughs> like, they, they could just singularly work on this. Yeah. Like, even, like, I feel like concepts like that have, are, were not, there's a lack, I think there's a lack of, of the appreciation of education in this country. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lack of under, of believing experts when they tell you, like, I've studied this for decades, I've studied this for forever, like, mm -hmm. this is what, this is what the facts are, and people not respecting that education and believing them. Right. I feel like that's the fundamental problem. Right in our country when it comes to like facts and also the media sensationalizes like everything oh everything everything like freaking the tide pod thing wasn't even a thing until the media reported on it like i think like a handful of people had done it and they're like it's crazy sweeping teenagers and they were like hell yeah it is now <laughs> yeah no it's so stupid so, i feel like there's different bunch of different angles that are mm -hmm. it's great this book is really depressing, guys. It's so depressing. I mean, it has this beautiful, hopeful note at the end. Like, it's, in its essence, it's a happy story. Because, like, in a way, human humanity won. It survived. It's not like an I Am Legend scenario where there's, like, maybe a thousand people left or something like that. And the vampires slash zombies are, like, definitively taking over and becoming the new alpha on Earth. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's very clear in the book that, like, you still got a ways to go, you still have zombies to kill, you still got to clear people out, they're still doing a lot of work, but, like, you, for the, they, they technically won the war. Yeah. So, and it's just, it's, it's, I think that you're right, I think that it's an ultimately hopeful book, mm -hmm. and ultimately, I think it's, it shows the super dark side of humanity, but it also is, I feel like, very interested in what the good that humanity is capable of. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you hear Brendan talking? No. Oh, good. He just got really loud all of a sudden. Oh. 
Um, what the heck was I going to say? I don't oh, know. there was a, a comment in when I was like reading reading the synopsis to make sure I had like everything cemented in my head about part of the reason the America had such a hard time informing the public about what was probably happening was the desire to not cause panic during an election year. And I was like, stop being relevant to right now. <laughs> it's too much for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's the politics episode. Pretty a much. Pixel Perfect podcast, yeah. everyone. Absolutely. If you've made it this far and you still didn't understand which way we leaned, I don't know. Bless your soul. I don't know how you did that. Or but... if you're new, welcome here. Yeah. We're, we're not... Yeah, we're not quiet about it. <laughs> no. What was your favorite scene? Or, like, the scene that fascinated you the most? Um... Very good question. I feel like the opening, like the doctor in China, um, that just gripped me. Like uh, seeing, uh, I feel like a lot of zombie media doesn't often show like patient zero or like the beginning of the outbreak kind of thing. So I thought that was really interesting to like have him talking to someone who literally like was there discovering it. Yeah. I mean, obviously... Like, they already knew what was happening because the government, like, already, like, when he calls his friend up and his friend's, like, um, hold on and they're there in an hour and, like, they're already, like, locking everything down. Mm -hmm. But, like, definitely, like, that kind of, like, humble beginnings of, like, nobody, none of the civilians know what's going on. Yeah. And how small it started out and how, like, it makes you feel like, wow, if this could have been not a non-issue or something. It's also, I think that this book is really good on, like, the little details, and it feels really human. Like, with the guy warning the doctor by being like, everything's gonna be alright. Oh my god, like, well, yeah. Fuck, everything's fucked, we gotta, I gotta call my that daughter. That's crazy. Um, I also really liked I, that he came up with the idea of um, it spreading because of illegal organ transfers on the black market. I thought that was really clever. God, I was like, thought of that? that's crazy cool. It makes a lot of sense. like it's it's one of those things like i was mentioning earlier where like you don't think of it but like Mm -hmm. of course Mm -hmm. of course it would spread via organs yeah for sure oh my god it's just like that's what i mean it's just like one of the most clever books yeah i think i've ever read and i just find it really satisfying in a like a weird way because you i just feel like he's checking off all these boxes that i didn't know existed and you're just like yes yeah yeah He organizes it really well, too. Like, the the whole last chapter is so satisfying. Um, goodbyes, when he's, like, wrapping up with yeah. all, like, the big key people. I'm like, this was a beautiful ending. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is an ultimately hopeful ending. And I think that he does, the way he weaves in the stories, like, how he talks about, um, like, I think one of my favorite examples of this is when, the smuggler guy smuggling people out of the country talks about how he's the last thing like thing he smuggled was people heading for Kazakhstan Mm -hmm. and then immediately jumps to people in Kazakhstan discovering the virus (laughs) like the an outbreak of like zombies like attacking yeah and it's (laughs) it's 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 just he's very clever with how he organizes Mm -hmm. it's very purposeful how he organizes it you can tell a lot of thought went into how am I going to order these stories yeah 
Yeah. It's kind of amazing because there's so many tiny details, but he weaves them all together very cohesively. I'm like, that's a lot of shit to keep track of and make sure you don't like leave a storyline just floating off and nothing. Yeah. It's very realistic, except like exactly like he says, like it's very realistic, except for the zombies. Like if you take out the zombies and replace it with like any sort of plague or anything, like it's very realistic. Yeah. So I think he's he's given a lot of thought (laughs) into what would really happen if zombies are taking over the earth. Yep. For sure. So felt real bad for Russia. I was like, that absolutely sounds like something Russia would do, but I hated it. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, and then, like, um, and then Israel's a big hero in this book, too. Yeah, yeah. On some level. That like, was fascinating. Because they're, they're part of the big people that puts out the, the report. They follow all the guidelines. They're, like, the big leaders of, like, this is happening. You know, we'll take, we'll house some people, like. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say like we're taking big... a stance on anything Israel-related. We, I personally don't know anything about the Israel-Palestinian conflict, so I would, I have no opinions. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are ignorant, but they are Israel is definitely like a big um factor in this book. Yeah. They're like they just are like, Oh shit, stuff's bad. Lock it down. Lock it down. Let's follow the guidelines. Yep. They're like the Australia slash New Zealand of COVID nineteen. <laughs> uh yeah, they're definitely like the forefront, which is, is very interesting. Um and then you have I was trying to think of India's huge. Um, China's obviously huge in this book. Pakistan and Iran, I think, wipe each other off the map. They just they just nuke each other. It's done. <laughs> it's it's and it's interesting because it's it's based on like the idea that they didn't have the same hardware setup because everyone thought it was going to be India and Pakistan, so nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, like the hardware wasn't set up for them. Like the ch- the diplomatic channels weren't set up for them to yeah to not blow each other up. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so it's it's a very um yeah I just I love it. It's yeah. depressing. It's a lot, but I love it. I feel like this is like besides not outright being like I enjoyed it so much. I feel like this is the first thing that we've covered that I had like zero criticisms of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't have... Oh, maybe except for Knives I Out. I have no criticisms of Knives Out. That's right. We did Knives Out, didn't we? We did. I don't think anybody watched it. No. We were a little too late <laughs> to the party with Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Knives Out is also very, very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's... I think it, it's. I think the only reason we're able to maintain a conversation about it with no criticisms is just because it's so interesting. Yeah. And there's so many different facets to it. Yeah, it's definitely got it's got a lot going on. Do you have any more to say? Anything else you want to add? I do not. I touched I touched on my stuff. I don't like the way I said that. <laughs> I touched on my stuff. Uh, oh man, should we should we tell them about our adventure for the rest of the month? Yeah. So uh, because we're doing zombies for the rest of the month. Next week, we are doing Zombieland and Zombieland 2 Double Tap, mm-hmm. um, which I have a lot to say about. So I haven't seen the second one yet, so I'm actually really excited for this episode. You're going to have a lot to say, too. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then afterwards, we're going to do Train to Busan, which is a South Korean film that is going to be a lot of fun. The movie is not a lot of fun, uh, mm. but it's 
it's a it's you know it's a good movie and it's on um, netflix right i believe so yes yeah. and then we'll do pride and prejudice and zombies because Paige hates me and she wants to do pride and prejudice and zombies well i mean the book may not be that bad i have zero experience with either of the versions so i have read the book oh boy it's just if you're on audio and not on youtube i just i wish you could see the face she just made when she said that <laughs> yeah uh, and then i we think for february we're gonna do trashy cookie romance trash so much trash because it's february and we fucking can yes absolutely so yeah but yeah we're always we're still always open to requests comments if there's anything you want us to cover let us know um yeah. and then we will be streaming we have officially rebranded check out all the so, fancy stuff yeah we will be officially uh streaming starting this week mm -hmm. and we'll be starting off with hollow night we'll be streaming hollow night yes should be a lot of fun but uh definitely follow on our twitter or instagram so you don't miss the going live announcement yes yes for sure well yeah okay well we'll catch you all next time Bye. Bye.